Well, this morning is the fifth Sunday in Lent, and today we're going to look at a wonderfully rich text from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14, and through the first 10 verses of chapter 5. It's a little bit of a long text, but I'm reading it all because it really all flows with the same underlying theme. So let us listen to the Word of God, and you'll see it up on the screen. Hebrews 4, 14 through 5.10. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness, and because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins, as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever, or according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Having been designated by God a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together. O gracious and holy God, give us wisdom to perceive you intelligence to understand you, patience to wait for you, eyes to see you, a heart to meditate on you and a life to proclaim you through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. There's a cartoon series out, or it's been out for a number of years. I don't know if it's still out today in most papers, but um, years ago I came across a, this particular car, cartoon. It's called The Better Half by a guy named Bob Keen, I think was his name. And he's picturing a husband and a wife in their bedroom in the morning getting ready for the day. And the wife is come combing her hair. She's applying her makeup. while the husband is over there across the room and he's struggling even to get out of bed. He sits wearily on the side of the bed, bedraggled, obviously tired, obviously wishing he could crawl back into bed. 
And you see him moaning and saying, I hope in my next reincarnation I come back as something easier to be than a human being. And boy, do I identify that. Do you identify with that at all? Now, I don't believe in reincarnation, but I want to tell you that if I did believe in reincarnation, um, I would want to come back, I think, as one of my dogs. Because my dogs have the good life. You know, they get fed, they get taken care of, their doctor bills are paid for, they get tucked in at night, they have a beautiful home to enjoy, they get exercised, they've got it made. That's how I would want to come back, I think. But we all know that feeling, don't we? That it's tough to be a human being sometimes. It's glorious at times. We wouldn't probably want to be anything else, but it's hard. Hardly a day goes by that we're not reminded in one way or another of our frailties as we encounter one frustration or difficulty or another. It's not easy. Sometimes things go wrong as we move through our day. You know how it is. You have your day set up. You figure, well, I'm going to do this and this, and it's going to be a great day. The sun is out or whatever. And then something goes south, and then something else goes south, and uh, that's just the way life is. It's not easy. Life has a way of chipping away at us, and if we're not careful, it'll rob us of our joy. But we can become frustrated. Uh, we can become discouraged. Uh, because it's hard in this world. We want to be one kind of person, but we find ourselves, no matter how hard we try, falling short of that goal, that person that we, at our best of times, wish we would be. Or we wrestle with some demons deep inside us that we hide from other people, things that we would never share with another person, but, but are there, and we struggle with that. I've been a pastor for a number of years now, and I want to tell you that I've often been with people, whether it was in my office or in the hospital or in a quiet room someplace, perhaps in their homes, and as I've listened to their heartache and the deep uh, struggles and questions that they have, my heart has been broken by the heartache and the suffering of those individuals with whom uh, I've entered into a relationship. And I think that in the very act of feeling sadness by the brokenness of others in our world, I begin to sense something of the sorrow and absolute heartache of God as he looks upon his creation and these wondrous creatures that he has made. And he looks upon us sometimes with sadness, sometimes with joy, always with mercy and compassion. So we have this wonderful text this morning from the book of Hebrews. And here we have a rich portrait of Jesus who is our good and great high priest. The one who out of the great love, his great love intercedes for us, especially in our weakness. You know those times, don't you, when uh, you're feeling so weak and so weary and so frustrated and flustered that you don't even have the energy to pray? Or if you can screw up a little bit of energy to pray, you don't quite know how to put into words what it is that your heart is feeling and that you really want to pray about. And Paul reminds us in Romans 8 that in those moments, our great high priest, Jesus the Christ, he comes in by his spirit and he prays for us. In words, Paul says, in groanings too deep for words. That's the kind of great priest that we have. 
The scripture says that because he learned obedience through what he suffered, Jesus knows what it is to be fully human, limited, frail creatures. So in his nearness to the Father and his nearness to us, Jesus becomes our good and great and wondrous high priest, the only priest that you and I will ever need. So who is a priest? You know, there were priests in Jesus' day. Uh, they led worship at the temple. They offered sacrifices for the sins of the people. They even had to offer sacrifices for their own sinfulness. They handled the holy mysteries of God. Uh, they were called by God, according to the book of Deuteronomy, to minister to the Lord. So it wasn't a choice for them. Somehow God spoke to them or through the communal, you know, the, the community around them and saying, uh, you would be a good high priest for us. And it was a very strict and high and holy calling. In fact, you can study it in the Old Testament, but even the clothing that they wore was special. It set the high priest apart for his great task. In fact, if an Old Testament priest did not wear his priestly garments at the appropriate times, he actually could incur guilt and die. It's a pretty high calling. I hope I'm dressed okay today. <laughs> it is a high calling, isn't it? You know, you're called to that as well. We, uh, uh, Hebrews also talks about, and Ephesians talks about the fact that uh, we are priests to one another. We are part of a holy priesthood because of the, Jesus Christ. You, in your baptism, were chosen by God to follow him, to love him, and to serve him. And in that moment of your baptism, we believe, you came uh, not only into the family of God, but you heard and maybe became aware of many years later that you were chosen by God to be a kind of priest and minister to each other and to the people in your world. We forget that sometimes because we think of the priests who are the kind of professionals and the pastors are the professionals, but all of us are priests one to another. I remember years ago, I came across this in a book I was reading. I can't even remember the book, but I wrote the quote down in my Bible and I look at it occasionally uh, and it kind of helps me get perspective when I'm feeling overwhelmed in some of the things that I'm called to do. And this is what it, what it says. It says, the ministry, meaning the Christian ministry, meaning all of you, part of that ministry, is the call of an inadequate person to an impossible task for an indefinite period of time. <laughs> Pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? So it was for the holy high priests of the Old Testament, so it is for us today. But here is the good news. The good news is that even though we are weak and broken and frail human beings, and that we all need a good priest, we have one in Jesus Christ, one who knows what it's like to live in this broken world, what it's like to be a human being, because it says that he learned obedience through suffering. He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. He is the one who understands the frustrations, the joys, as well as the sorrows of being a human being. Now, if you and I look around our community, our world, our friends, our family, even people around in this church, 
I think you'll agree that given the stresses and the challenges and the anxieties that we face, more than ever perhaps, we need Jesus, our good and high priest, who, the one who always will stand with us and for us. That's what the book of Hebrews is talking about. These scriptures affirm that there is no temptation with which you may be wrestling even right now, no pain that you bear, no darkness that you might be experiencing, no lonely path that you feel as if you are walking that is unknown to the Christ who goes before you. Hebrews 5.8 says, and, and I, you know, I struggled with this verse for a long time. It took me a long time to understand uh, what the writer was getting at. Hebrews 5.8 says that Jesus, quote, learned obedience through what he suffered. And as I've reflected on that text, and as I've had more experience and more years behind me than ahead of me, probably, I'm sure, um, there's a, I've learned that there's a depth of understanding to life and to self and to God that comes to us when we experience any kind of struggle or suffering. The Greek dramatist Aeschylus put it this way in one of his writings. He said, he who learns must suffer. And even in our sleep, pain that cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart. And in our own despair, against our will, comes wisdom to us by the awful grace of God. Is that a new thought for you? That God's grace, as amazing and as wondrous and as profound as it is, can also be at times awful because sometimes we have those experiences when we need to learn obedience and faithfulness and a little bit more about ourselves and God as we confront various kinds of struggles. And there is a kind of learning that happens that can only happen in that way. I'm sure as you think about your life, you could, you could share all kinds of stories about those insights. That's what I think G the writer is getting at when he says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. We need to know that. We need to remember that. When we are alone and fearful, for example, we remember that Jesus had his Gethsemane. You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? We're going to read those texts next week uh, during Easter Holy Week. Hey, remember, here was a man who lived with these 12 disciples for some three or three and a half years, poured his very life into him, and when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, they fell asleep. They couldn't even support him in his moment of greatest suffering and darkness. And you remember Jesus. And think of the sorrow he must have experienced when he came out of the garden for a while after he'd been praying for a bit and he looked out and he, he, he found these disciples asleep and he says, couldn't you even stay awake for an hour? And then he just kind of leaves them and goes back. Jesus understands our frustration and loneliness because he had his own Gethsemane when he prayed, Lord, if there's any way that this cup, all of this that I'm to endure, if it can be taken away from me, Please make it happen. But then he prayed, thy will be done. I'm here to serve only you and your word. 
Now, Hebrews 5, 7 talks about Jesus offering up prayers, and it's translated with loud cries and tears. But, you know, here's one of those places where the Greek language doesn't translate very well into English. We lose some of its intensity and its oomph, you know? And uh, the, the, the Greek word here that translates loud cries of Jesus literally means a cry that is wrung from a person in the stress and the agony of some tremendous pressure or searing pain. In other words, it's the kind of cries and tears. Uh, it, it's not like watching, you know, a Hallmark show and you get these little tears and, or, or you choose to cry because you've been moved by something or whatever. No, this is some tears and cries that come from deep within that are just sort of wrung from a person. That's what Jesus was experiencing. What does that mean to us? Well, it means that there is no agony of the human heart or spirit that Jesus does not know. It means that when we are in that awful place, experience that awful grace of God, that heartache or pain, that wrings cries and tears from the depths of our being, God is there in Jesus, our great, perfect, and high priest. When we're tested to the breaking point, then we can remember that Jesus spent 40 days of his own testing right at the beginning of his ministry in the desert. When we are experiencing any kind of desolation, we remember that the Lord hung alone on a cross, on a garbage dump outside the city walls of Jerusalem. As our good priest, Jesus is able, you see, to sympathize with us in every human joy, in all of our hopes and our dreams, but especially in our weakness, our insecurity, our fear. And because of that, because we know this, we can unburden ourselves to him. We can tell him that we may not tell any other human being we can give to him whatever is on our heart in the sure and true knowledge that he is there, that he loves, that he listens, that he prays for us, and he embraces us with his remarkable and unrelenting love. You see, we don't have to hold, on, hold anything back from the one who held nothing back for us. Someone has said that the difference, maybe you've heard this before, but uh, someone has said that the difference between dogs and cats is that the dog comes when you call him, but the cat says, I'll take a message and get back to you. <laughs> maybe that's why I've always been a dog person. I don't know. My dogs don't always come when I call them anyway. But uh, you, know, you know what that means, and, and, uh, and it's really true. But what I want to say to you this morning, what our text says is that Jesus, as our good and high and holy priest, never says to anyone, I'll take a message and get back to you. Now, we might not expect the, the, the message that we're giving to God. We might not expect the answer that God gives. We may have to wait for a while, or we may discover that God has something that is really better for us in the long run. That may happen. But he is immediately available to us in all of our need. 
In the days of his flesh, whenever there was a need, we know from Scripture that our Lord responded to it. And he continues to do so today. So here is the picture of our perfect high priest, utterly available to meet our deepest needs, there to satisfy the most intense and aching hungers in our souls. He makes great promises to us to be with us in all things, to heal our hurts, to bind up our wounds, to open our eyes, to re-energize our depleted spirits. He is the good priest, shining his light in our darkness and giving us peace in this tumultuous world. And that's the kind of priest we all need. And the good news we have to share with those who have never heard and are feeling as if they are orphaned, completely on their own in this world, guess what? We, the people of God, we, a congregation here, planted in this community, we have the great privilege and opportunity to say to those people, hey, come hear about this good priest that's there for you, just as he is for me. Can there be a greater calling than that? I don't think so. There was a woman who was in the final stages of lung cancer. And she was gasping for breath and in great pain, and she was so weary and so tired from the long and ferocious battle that she had waged with this dread disease. She clutched in her hand a crucifix, one that she had had since she was a little girl. It was carved in wood by some unknown monk in Europe. But it, for her, it was a profound symbol of her Catholic faith. The hospital had a chaplain and when he entered her room he could see that she was very near the end of her earthly life. So he asked what chaplains often ask, would you like me to pray, to pray with you or for you? And then he went on and he said, I know you're a Roman Catholic, would you prefer that I summon a priest? And this woman took that crucifix and she held it towards him, the body of Christ nailed to a cross, and she said, I have a priest. You have a priest. I have a priest. Everybody needs a priest for whatever their circumstances in life. In Jesus Christ, we have a good priest a perfect priest who understands more about you and me than we could ever understand or know about ourselves. In Jesus Christ, we have a good priest who never takes a message. You don't have to go through a bunch of prompts in a telephone. He's always there, ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to love. And in Jesus Christ, we have a good and perfect priest and mediator who has all the resources of heaven at his disposal as he ministers to us. And so, people of God, in whatever your season might be, today or yesterday or tomorrow, of, of struggle or heartache or trouble or doubt or confusion, insecurity, anxiety, whatever it is, Remember this one thing, you have a good and great priest.
Let us pray. Eternal God, you have given us life through your Son, Jesus Christ. You have given us the security of faith in a world that longs for something on which to rely. You give us enough tests to make us strong. May you give us enough vision and endurance to follow your way, especially when the way is hard. Give us, O oh God, enough patience to persist and to persevere. Open our eyes to enough of reality to know our weaknesses and our need. And Lord, may you give us enough humility to know that we are not God, that you are, and that everything in our life depends on your sustaining grace. So Jesus, may you go before us this day and every day to prepare the way. May you walk behind us to be our protection. And may you walk beside us to be our companion. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.